The following audio is from Steadfast Church in Asheville, North Carolina. We exist to proclaim the good news of Jesus for the joy of all people to the ends of the earth. For more information about our church, our resources, or to support our ministry, please visit steadfastavl.org. So, it's good to be back. Uh, If you're new here, and I know there's a bunch of you that are, um, my name's Brian, and I have the the privilege of serving as lead pastor here. I'm really, really thankful that you are with us. Um, We're pretty simple as a church, um, but I hope that you feel, have already felt the welcome of Christ in this place, the welcome of this family uh, who loves you and wants you to feel like you belong here. Uh, If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, go ahead and open it up to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Uh, I failed to get the page number out of the Pew Bible, so if you've got one of those hardback black Pew Bibles, just shout out the page number. 815. 815. You win. No, uh, 815 is the page number for the Pew Bible. Uh, so we've been in a series looking at seven specific times in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is sharing a meal with other people. And through these meals, what we're learning is we're, we're learning about hospitality. Uh, we're learning about the way of Jesus. We're, we're learning about the kingdom of God. And uh, speaking of meals, how many of you in the room would just uh, admit to being kind of a foodie? Like you, yeah, a good number of us, okay. Uh, anybody have a favorite restaurant in town? Shout it out. Curate. What's that? La Ruma. La Ruma. Oh, I haven't been there. Any others? Chaipani, of course. Okay, so our favorite restaurant, my wife and I is Curate. I've mentioned that already in this series because I'm a food evangelist apparently. And, um, and you know, often at, at a favorite restaurant, there's like one particular dish. It's like, you gotta get it, right? Like if you, sometimes it's off the menu, sometimes it's on the menu, but you go, hey, look, if you go to Curate, like you gotta get the lamb skewers, right? You gotta get the patatas bravas. You got, there's certain things that you have to get. There's this one dish or these few, if you don't get these, Your experience is going to be good, but not as good as it could have been because you didn't get this one thing, right? Well, our text today is very simple. It's very straightforward. But from it, we're going to learn from Jesus that there's one thing that we have got to get. There is one thing that is most important for us in our journey of faith as Jesus' disciples. We're going to learn about it this morning. Now, it's a very familiar passage to many of you, um, but I hope and pray, and I will pray, that um, our familiarity with this passage doesn't breed contempt in the sense that we sort of tune out because we're like, oh, I know this story. Because I I read this story this week uh, preparing and going, yeah, I know this story. And and I realized about halfway through my preparation, I don't know this story at all. The Lord had new things to show me from this very familiar story. So uh, we're looking at Martha and Mary this morning. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. I'll read it, you can follow along, and then I'll pray for us and we'll get going here. Luke 10, starting in verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. 
You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, what a joy to be back together with my brothers and sisters here at Steadfast Church. Um, you were so kind to us on our trip to Nicaragua and getting to meet the brothers and sisters of the churches there to worship with them and preach to them and be ministered to by them as we ministered to them. What a joy and a gift that was, but it's good to be home. And Lord, as we look at this story this morning, um, we thank you for your word. Um, which is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, to do what only you can do through your word, which is to pierce us, to do the spiritual surgery that is needed in our souls, that we might love the Lord Jesus Christ more deeply, that we might have a deeper faith and trust in him, that we might have a greater joy in him, we come as needy people this morning looking for nourishment from the meat and the milk of your word. And so, Lord, help me as I preach this word to rightly divide the scripture that it might be um, of encouragement and blessing and challenge to your people. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We ask all these things in the beautiful name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. It has been, uh, there, I don't know if you feel it, but there's something tangible this morning that's just a little different. And um, uh, it, it's, it's because the Holy Spirit is always here, but he's here this morning. Um, and, and so what a, what a gift, what a joy. Um, okay, the first thing I want you to see here in this very simple passage is Martha's distraction. Martha's distraction, look at verse 38 again. Um, verse 38. As they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Now, Jesus and his disciples had been traveling towards Jerusalem, okay? So they're, they're, they're on their way. Uh, in Luke chapter nine, it says that Jesus had his face set like a flint towards Jerusalem. So they are on their way towards Jerusalem, and Jesus has been preaching the gospel, Jesus has been healing people, Jesus has been casting out demons, and it, earlier in, in uh, Luke chapter 10, he mentions uh, what we know as the, the parable uh, of the, sorry, where did it go? Here it is, the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? And he talks about this man who's on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho. The reason he mentions that is because they're on the Jericho road, <laughs> And so he, he's got, you know, he usually uses stuff that's in the periphery to, to give examples. And so he's talking about Jericho Road. Uh, on the Jericho Road is this little town called Bethany, and that's where they walk into here. Now, Jesus, um, from other gospel accounts, we can see that Jesus, this is not his first encounter with this woman named Martha. In fact, um, Martha and her sister Mary and their brother Lazarus, you might remember him, um, he was the one who stinketh because he was in the tomb for three days and until Jesus brought him back to life, that's the King James Version, he stinketh, that's what it says, because um, he was decaying, right? He's dead. So, um, so, so Jesus knew this family very well. He was very close with them. In fact, in John chapter 11, it says that Jesus loved them. He loved this family. 
Martha, likely the oldest, it's her house. She offers hospitality to Jesus. And we can assume that she welcomed his disciples in as well. So that's an extra 13 for dinner. Now, whether she's preparing the meal that's going to feed them or whether this is her cleaning up after the meal, either way, there's a lot of work to do, right? You got, you got the three of you, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and then you got an extra 13 coming to dinner. Like there's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of cleanup to do. If you ever have the chance to go with us uh, to Nicaragua at the mission center, you're gonna meet uh, Antonia and Estella, these two amazing, beautiful, godly gifted women who, uh, who work in the kitchen. And uh, there were nine of us on the trip, plus translators and some others. So there were at times 10 to 15 of us at the table. And I swear those ladies were in the kitchen all day long. <laughs> After breakfast, after lunch, after dinner, preparing and cleaning, preparing and cleaning. There's just a lot to do. The Bible says here that Martha was distracted with much serving. That's a very interesting choice of words used only here in the Bible. That she was distracted with much serving. This word has the sense of being pulled away from, troubled, anxious. Um, you, you may know this, but the word distracted that we have in English, um, the French had a, a form of torture, actually execution, in which they would attach uh, a rope to a horse and then attach it to each of your four limbs and set the horses off in every different direction. And you know what they called that? Distraction. Martha was distracted with much serving. Distracted from what? From the one thing that was most important. Now, there are many ways for us to be distracted. If you think about the parable of the sower, it's in several gospel accounts. Um, you know, Jesus talks about casting the seed of the word. And then what happens? You know, there, there's, some, um, there's some that falls into shallow soil. There's some on rocky soil. There's some with thorns that come up. And his, his explanation of that is sometimes the enemy snatches away the word. Sometimes troubles come or worries come or wealth comes, the distractions of the world that we live in, the temptations of the flesh and, and, and the world and all those things, they, they can distract us. But this is not what's happening with Martha, is it? Martha is distracted by what? Serving. Serving who? Jesus. <laughs> Martha is distracted by serving Jesus. In fact, of the three times that Martha is mentioned in the Gospels, twice out of those three times, she's serving. It's just who she is in a way. Now, here's the thing. Martha believes in Jesus. Martha loves Jesus. Jesus loves Martha. Martha is serving Jesus, and yet she's also distracted from Jesus. Now, by contrast, we meet her sister. Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary. Here's all we learn about Mary. She sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. That's all we learn. In fact, of the three times that Mary is mentioned in the gospels, did you know that all three times we find her in the same position, at the feet of Jesus? Here, in Luke chapter 10, in John chapter 11, after Lazarus dies, when Jesus shows up, Mary falls at his feet weeping. 
And then in John chapter 12, after, after Lazarus is raised, they hold a feast in honor of Jesus and Mary comes in and falls at the feet of Jesus. And in a similar, but not the same story as we saw a couple weeks ago, she takes a very expensive perfume and she anoints the feet of Jesus. Once she is overwhelmed with grief at the feet of Jesus, once she is overcome with gratitude at the feet of Jesus. But here in this passage, she is at the feet of Jesus by deliberate choice. This is the posture of discipleship, is it not? We learn um, about the apostle Paul, that, that he was trained at the feet of Gamaliel. This was a phrase used for discipleship, for training, for learning at the feet of this rabbi. And here is Mary in a posture of intentional devotion to Jesus, learning from his words, having her heart and her mind and her character shaped by the words of Jesus. So while Martha is busy doing much for Jesus, Mary is spending time with Jesus. I wonder how many of us are like Martha. That we're, we're active, we're busy, but we're distracted with much serving. As I was studying for this passage, um, I was, I was convicted of how Martha-like I tend to be. You know, this has been a busy week. I just got back from Nicaragua late on Tuesday night and hit the ground running Wednesday morning, checking in with all the staff. By the way, I got a sermon to write, you know, and I got all this stuff going on and I found myself taking my personal devotion time to sit with Jesus and going, well, I, I gotta, I'll do that later because I got things to do. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? If I just got to preach myself, I'm happy to do that because I need this word, okay? I was talking a couple weeks ago with a, a friend of mine who's a pastor in uh, the Raleigh area. And um, some of you kn might know I've taken a new role with our church planting network. And so I kind of give leadership to North and South Carolina. And so I was checking in on him. And, and it struck me what he said when, I, when, it, when he picked up the phone. Um, I said, hey, I only you know, maybe need 15 or 30 minutes of your time. And he said, oh, it's okay, I'm not busy. And, and I have to admit, in my mind, I was like, what kind of pastor is this? He's not busy, right? <laughs> so I was like, well, tell me more about that. How are you not busy? And he said, well, he said, don't misunderstand. My calendar is full. I'm just not busy. I got all the time you need. And I was really convicted by that, that he has ordered his life in such a way that he doesn't overschedule himself. And when he commits to something, he can commit and be fully present because he's not waiting for the next thing he's got to do. Man, I need to hear that. So, so let me ask you, how is your actual relationship with Jesus going? Are you like Martha? Are you active and busy, but distracted by many things? You guys still with me? All right, so... Uh, now I want you to see what happens when we get too busy, and that's Martha's frustration. We're going to look at verse 40 and just sort of hone in on this verse. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to Jesus and said to him, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Martha's frustration. 
Jesus is teaching. Now, traditionally, um, when the rabbi, if you had a visiting rabbi or, or, or a, um, a well-known sort of teacher, you know, come to your home and they, they began to teach, that was the cue for the women to get up it's at exit time. Uh, they're gonna go do something else while the men discuss the important matters of the theology. That's just the culture of the time. But notice here that Mary doesn't get up to exit. She doesn't leave and Jesus doesn't mind. Jesus is a different kind of rabbi who welcomes all people to sit at his feet and learn from him. Now, meanwhile, Martha, the sister, very busy with everything, whether it's the preparations or the cleanup afterward, we don't know, it doesn't really matter. She's distracted and she's getting fed up. There's a growing irritation in her, not only towards her sister, Mary, but even towards Jesus. And, and you notice she has to have had a close and intimate relationship with Jesus because you just don't talk to Jesus the way she talks to Jesus. Right? I, I can't think of another example of anyone in the Bible who spoke to Jesus the way that she did, except maybe the disciples. I think of them on the, on the sea, I believe it was, and, and he's sleeping. You remember that? And they're freaking out and they come to him and they go, don't you care that we're gonna die? And he's like, guys, just, okay. See, shh. And then they're like, what? Who is this? <laughs> who even commands the wind and the waves. She, she comes and she interrupts the conversation. Jesus is teaching, she interrupts. And um, while Mary was at Jesus's feet, Martha gets all up in Jesus's face. Don't you care about me? Don't you care about my situation? Don't you care about how stressed I am? I imagine, this isn't in the text, but I imagine a little bit of passive aggressive tone in her. Must be nice to sit there and talk about theology, but the dishes aren't gonna wash themselves. She's playing the victim. She's acting as a victim of a great injustice. And not only is Mary responsible, Jesus is partly responsible. This is a warning to us. Whenever self-pity creeps into our hearts due to a depleted soul, we even begin to doubt the love of Jesus. How many of us have exhausted ourselves Maybe not even in service to the church, but in service to our families, in service to our jobs, in service to lesser gods, and felt abandoned by God because nothing's changing. It's not bearing fruit. We're so tired. We're so weary. We just keep doing the next best thing in our opinion, and we're not getting any traction, and we think God's responsible. And maybe he is, but maybe it's to get our attention and show us that we're, solving, we're serving bad gods. Whatever Martha is displaying here, it is a far cry from Psalm 100 verse two that says, serve the Lord with gladness. <laughs> Martha is serving Jesus for sure, but her service to the Lord has become a burden to her. And that is not good. Now, um, one of the most beautiful things, as I was studying this passage and, and sort of reflecting on it, I, I realized that, um, so if you don't know, um, our church, Missio Day, which Lamek mentioned, and Bent Creek merged together in 2022 as one church called Steadfast. Um, Missio Day was about 15 years old at the time. And one of the things that, that I've, I cherish really in that 15 year time span, and I think it continues even now through Steadfast, is this immense privilege that we have had as the church to serve what I will call religiously wounded people. 
In other words, people who come here who have been beat up and exhausted by ministry in other places and other churches and other ministries, and they just need time and space to heal and to be restored and to find their first love and their joy again. And if that's you this morning, I just want you to know you are welcome here. It is our joy to serve you in this season as the Lord draws you back to himself. And, and I don't want you to feel any pressure or any guilt about you just coming in and receiving and not doing anything. Like, I don't want you to serve right now. I, don't, I, don't, I just want you to come and rest and, and, and get filled up by Jesus because what he's doing is far more important than you being on our, our servant leader roster. So I want you to rest. I want you to recapture your joy uh, and, and your first love. And then, and then I'm not gonna ask you, you come and tell us when you're ready to get back in it. When you're ready, when you feel refueled and rejuvenated and you're ready to carry others' burdens again. But that's what we do for one another. Galatians says that we're to bear one another's burdens. And so if you are coming in here burdened, let us carry that for you this morning. Let us carry that for you in this season. It's a joy to do so. Um, I, I came across this quote from Francis Schaeffer and I wasn't quite sure where it fit in the sermon. So I'm just gonna read it to you now. <laughs> um, this is from No Little People, if you're familiar with um, Schaeffer's books, but he says, the central problem of our age is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ individually or corporately tending to do the work, the Lord's work in the power of the flesh rather than in the power of the spirit. That is the, according to Schaefer, that's the fundamental, the central problem of our age. And for far too many of us in this room and within the sound of my voice, all you and I have ever known is Martha-like busyness for Jesus, but with little power from on high. And that has got to stop. Because we exist as believers, as the church, to be living proof of what only God can do. And there is nothing more urgently needed in our day than the risen Christ at work in you and through you. And yet, I find that far too often I rush forward in my own strength doing the next best thing until I realize that my joy is sapped and I am becoming critical and I'm feeling unloved by God. And all the while, the Holy Spirit is whispering to me, I'm right here, come on back. I wonder if you feel that. I wonder if you feel that frustration at times when you're just pouring yourself out but you neglect the most important thing. Now, Jesus' response to Mary, to Martha here, excuse me, I knew I was gonna mess those up at some point. <laughs> Who names their kids with the same letter, you know? <laughs> some of you don't get that. Eli, Ezra, those are my boys. <clears throat> I want you to see lastly, Mary's portion, Mary's portion. Verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. I just imagine him locking eyes with her, you know, in 
the tender way that only Jesus can. Not with anger, not with bitterness, not with frustration at her. She's riled up, he's not. He's tender, he's kind. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Now, anytime in the Bible you see a name repeated, that means something. In the Semitic languages, uh, repeating a name or a word um, carries major significance. There's an intensity to it, right? So you think about like David um, with his son, what did he cry out? Absalom, Absalom, right? There's a, there's a, a deep emotion and an intensity to that or Jesus um, weeping over the city, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, right? So, so he, when he says, Martha, Martha, he, we, we know he cares deeply about Martha, but he's also rebuking her. You are anxious and troubled about many things. How many of you relate to this? <laughs> anxious and troubled about many things? Yeah, there's a lot going on. Of course I'm anxious and troubled about many things because there's many things happening in my life. But Jesus says, no, there's only one thing necessary, which doesn't compute to most of our brains, right? How can there only be one thing necessary? How can there really only be one thing needed? There's so many things I saw a meme the other day I passed on to one of our staff members that said, um, I'm not only worried about it going this way, I'm worried about it going that way, and I'm worried about a secret third way as well. (laughs) Mary chose the good portion is what Jesus says. And that's a very important word, chose. Because you and I, if if we're honest, um, and I know this is church, but we can be honest for a minute. (laughs) We tend to think of Mary and Martha as just personality differences, don't we? Some of us are more Martha-like and some of us are more Mary-like and we kind of get on each other's nerves because we don't understand each other. And if we would just love Jesus and get along, we'd be fine. But that's not what this passage is about. It's not about personalities. It's about priorities. There There are many good things. Jesus says here, that Mary chose the good portion. Now, when he says the good portion, he's not implying that Martha chose the bad portion. This isn't a good versus bad or good versus evil. In fact, a a differing way of translating this passage, another translation says it, Mary has chosen the better portion. That's a viable translation. So it's not a difference between good and bad or good and evil, but it's good and better. Mary chose what was better. There are many good things. There are many important things that we can give ourselves to, but there's only one that's critical. And Mary knew what that one necessity was. It was Jesus himself. Sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning from his words. We might call that abiding. And and many of you know that in John chapter 15, Jesus himself says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is who bears much fruit. We can infer from that passage, if there's no abiding, there's no fruit. How many of us are tired of fruitless lives? We're weary from from, from exerting a lot of effort without much fruit. Could it be at least a reason is because we fail to abide in Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. 
sitting at the feet of Jesus or abiding with Jesus does not mean we won't get tired. Of course we will. Jesus got tired. He was asleep on the boat, <laughs> right? He, he grew tired. Anything worthy of our effort is going to make us tired, right? Um, shepherding a church, um, growing a family, raising kids, um, teaching in a school or, or um, building a business, like all those things are going to make you tired. But what this, so it doesn't mean you're not gonna get tired, but what it means to abide in Jesus is that underneath the tired is a foundation of real rest and confidence and satisfaction and vitality in the Lord Jesus Christ. I came across a quote yesterday. Quite honestly, uh, I was working on this sermon and I took a little break and was flipping through Instagram. <laughs> and I saw this picture and I was like, oh man. Um, it's a man named Paris Reedhead. He was a, he was a missionary who then um, worked with the Christian Missionary Alliance, CMA Church. And I thought this quote was very striking. He says, most Christians do not have fellowship with God. They have fellowship with each other about God. Wow. So that means a lot of us don't actually abide with Jesus. We abide with friends and we just talk about Jesus. Man, that's dangerous. Steadfast Church, as most of you know, we went through this in January, um, is all about knowing Christ, becoming a family, and loving our neighbor in that order of priority. But when our priorities get out of whack and we put, for instance, becoming a family first, or we, we put, put loving our neighbor, we put mission first, what, what happens is those priorities get out of whack and we drift away from communion with the Lord, we wear out. You know, I think there's a reason why the story of Martha and Mary comes after the story of the Good Samaritan. And here's what I think it is. The reason that this story follows the Good Samaritan story is because Jesus is trying to help us understand that unless you spend time at the feet of Jesus, unless you spend time uh, letting the words of Jesus wash over you and, and shape your heart and your soul, you won't even be able to get along with your own sister, much less love your neighbor. But who of us is really actually good at staying connected to the Lord? That's why Jesus gave us Matthew 11, that beautiful passage in which he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mean, after all, the whole message of the Bible is not what we do for God, but what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, who God is for us in Jesus Christ. For example, Jesus is the Almighty One. 
He's our advocate. He's our cornerstone. He's our deliverer. He's our good shepherd. He's our great high priest. He is our king of kings. He is our mediator. He is our redeemer. He is our refuge. He is our rock. He is our savior. He is our strong tower. He is our hope. He is our peace. He is our joy. He is our strength. He is our rest. All of these and more are ours and they are real by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the endless power of the Holy Spirit. So will we be a people who like Mary choose the good portion, who choose to sit at the feet of Jesus? Listen, I know, I know it's hard. I know you got a million things running around. Uh, what is it? I can't remember who the quote is from. Basically said like, when I try to get still and quiet in my mind, it's like um, a bunch of monkeys in a banana tree. <laughs> I get that. I'd live that. You got little kids that are, you know, they sleep in on the days they shouldn't and they get up at 5 a.m. on the days that you really need an extra 15 minutes of sleep. Like I get that too. You got aging parents to care for. You got work demands that just seem relentless. We're all busy people. And there are many important things in our lives, but there is only one thing necessary. There's only one thing critical. And that one thing actually fuels you and, and, and equips you and empowers you and strengthens you to handle all the other stuff that, that life throws at you. Will we choose the good portion so that we can say, this is from Psalm 73, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Jesus is the one thing that if we will choose to put him first in our life, he will never take it away from us. We will never lose it. Now, there will be many distractions and many things that try to rip Jesus from us. But if we will choose him and put him first, he will never take it away from us. And we will find a joy and a strength to make it through whatever life throws our way. All right, I'm going to I actually got done early. What the heck? Praise the Lord. Um, let me put some questions up on the screen for us to consider, and then we're going to move into our time of response. Um, you can write these down as they come. You can uh, take a picture of the screen when they're all up, but I'd love you to take these with you and really think through them, pray through them, and maybe talk about them as a community group. First question is this. What distracts me from time with Jesus? I mean, it's a very simple question, right? And it might have a multitude of answers, but... Um, what gets in the way of me sitting at the feet of Jesus? What gets in the way of me prioritizing time with the Lord just to sit with him, to, to read his words, to pray, to listen, to speak to him. And I don't mean like pray as in here's my laundry list of requests, but like actually commune with God. And, and some of you might be saying, I don't even know how to do that. Okay, we'll talk about it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll provide some resources for you to help you understand what it means to just sit with Christ. But what gets in the way? What distracts you from time with the Lord? Second is this. When do I feel most depleted, most anxious, or most frustrated, or maybe some combination 
of those three, you know? Is it the family dynamic that really wears me out? Is it my job? Is it, you know, other obligations? Is it, you know, what, what are the things that really drain me of my strength and my vitality and my energy that, that make me feel depleted and anxious and frustrated? Mary was distracted with much serving and she was anxious and worried. What, what makes you anxious and worried? Third, how can abiding with Jesus provide the health and the strength that my soul needs? Um, this is nothing new, right? Like we all know time with Jesus in his word and in prayer will change our lives for the better. And yet how many of us actually believe it enough to take the next step and do something about it, right? How can abiding with Jesus provide the health the strength, the vitality that my soul needs that, that will actually empower and equip me to go about handling everything else that life throws my way. And then um, the fourth question is this, um, what's one intentional step I can take towards the better portion? What's just one thing the Lord might be calling me to do this week, you know, that frees up a little space, a little time to just be with Jesus. Uh, even if you're just sitting in silence, you're sitting with the Lord. What's one intentional step I can take this week towards the better portion? Okay, um, we're gonna move into our time of response. And, and one, of the, one of the things that we do weekly here at Steadfast Church is communion. And um, you know, this, this table um, is representative for us of the feast of the kingdom, right? Like when we get to heaven, Revelation promises us there will be an eternal feast. Um, provided by Jesus. He welcomes us to his table and we will dine with him. We will rejoice in our king in his presence. Um, and so all the communion elements are coming from this table as a symbol and as a reminder that, that we are welcomed to Jesus's table. And when you take the bread and you take the wine or the juice, um, what I want you to be thinking about this morning as you come down is Jesus offers you rest that you can come to him with your weariness, you can come to him with your burdens, you can come to him with all of the, the, the distractions of the world and, and you can lay those down and you can receive from him um, this symbol of life and strength and vitality. This meal is a reminder to us that we need something from outside of us to come into us and give us vitality and strength and nourishment. And what Jesus has done for us has given us his very life he was crucified for our sins. He was buried and he was raised on the third day so that we could be forgiven of sin. We could be welcomed into his family. We could be given the promise of the Holy Spirit who will never leave us or forsake us and will strengthen us and empower us for everything that life throws our way. So if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm gonna welcome you to these tables this morning where you can take the, the bread and dip into the juice or the wine, whatever your conscience allows. And remember that, that Jesus promises you rest in him. Just bring your weary soul down here this morning and receive his rest. I'm gonna invite our servers down at this time. I'll pray uh, and then we'll have a moment of silence. And then um, when my family <clears throat> gets up to the tables, that'll be the, the sign for everybody that the tables are open. We'll start on the back row, make our way forward. So servers, you can come down. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your kindness to us. Thank you for um, this very simple but very profound word and um, Lord, whether we find ourselves like Martha, busy and distracted with much serving, whether we 
whether we by your grace find ourselves in this um, stage of our lives like Mary, um, sitting at your feet, resting in you, learning from you. Um, Lord, I pray that you would help us to see even more clearly the beauty and the glory of the Lord Jesus, to, to find your perfect love casting out all fear, to find your joy filling our souls. And as we press into the busyness of life and the hecticness of, of some of our schedules and all the things that are going on, um, even when we're tired, may we not grow weary in doing good, but, but find the strength that only you can provide for us as we choose you, as we choose to put Jesus first in our lives. We are not good at it, but you are gracious. So help us, Lord, to put you first, to sit at your feet, and to be changed by your word and your spirit. We need you even more than we realize. So we ask for your help. And as we respond to you now in repentance and faith, through communion, through giving, and through worship and song, would you be honored and glorified. We love you. We ask your blessing in the name of Jesus. And we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's just be still for a moment.